What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Grabs Podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what we do here. But in case you stumbled in or this is the first one you're hearing, our goal here is simple. It's to highlight our wins and learn as much as we can from actual fire ground rescues in the hopes of making all of us a little smarter, more effective, and more efficient. Our guest today is Heath Castle, a firefighter in Winchester Fire Department in Kentucky. And we're fortunate enough to hear his powerful story so we can all learn from his experience. Thanks for coming on here today, Heath. I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate uh, you coming on and, and spreading the gospel, man. Absolutely. I'm excited to, to spread the story and uh, for you all to hear it. Perfect. Well, why don't we start with telling us a little bit about yourself, your journey, your experience, and your department? Okay. Uh, I'm 31. I'm from uh, originally from Lexington, Kentucky, uh, which is probably 15 minutes uh, from uh, my department uh, in Winchester. Uh, graduated from Eastern Kentucky University with a degree in uh, fire administration, engineering technology. Uh, that time, it really sparked my interest in, in the fire service. Um, didn't really have the opportunity to volunteer or do anything like that. Living in a bigger city, uh, they have career departments. So uh, Winchester was the one that picked me up and I've been with them for eight years uh, almost. So uh, we're a relatively small department. We've got three stations. Uh, they're speckled about the uh, uh, the city. Uh, it's about nine square miles. Population of about 19,000. Um, I've been assigned to our rescue truck for probably six of my eight years. Uh, done some time on engine one and uh, the ambulance as well. We do run EMS uh, in our department. Uh, but a little bit about my district. Uh, we've got a few kind of commercial structures, some Section 8 apartments, uh, row housing, trailer parks, uh, kind of with some uh, middle class uh, residential areas that are sprinkled in. Uh, run about 7,500 calls a year, give or take. Uh, uh, 1,100 probably being the the fire side and the rest being uh, EMS. Um, but yeah, uh, our engine one, our headquarters, that's uh, station one, I guess, uh, is uh, our downtown, which is usually where we get a lot of our fires at. Uh, I'm at our station two, uh, which is on the west side of the town. Uh, it houses our rescue truck and an ambulance and uh, our rescue truck does the, the building and shoring, the extrication, swift water, rope. Uh, we're uh, pretty big into that. Uh, I'd say that's a lot of our focus uh, is the tech rescue. Uh, uh, station three being our tower ladder. We've got a hundred foot tower ladder. Um, it is in our industrial park, so they cover a lot of, we've got a dairy that they cover, uh, different different types of, uh, of industrial stuff. They have lots of chemicals that they've got to deal with too. So um, each one of those stations have a, have a frontline EC unit um, run fully staffed, which we're not at the moment, about 56 firefighters, uh, which we're probably down to about 40 right now. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, we're in the process of, uh, of 
of hiring more, getting laterals in. So yeah, it's uh, we're hurting. So, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, kind of that was a perfect thirty thousand foot view of your department, and and relatively busy for you know a city that's only nineteen thousand people to run seventy five hundred calls. That's that's pretty impressive numbers. Absolutely. Um, and this one's a little bit more nebulous, but what's the search culture like within your department? Uh, and kind of what we mean by that is who typically searches, how many crews are searching, and how do you guys prioritize search? Yeah, so uh, I want to say we're a very aggressive uh, search culture. Uh, the uh, We're going to assign search every fire. We're not going to let people outside dictate uh, if, the, if the billing's clear. We're going to go in and make sure of ourselves. Winchester Fire Department, I, we all take pride in. Uh, we're going to come in and get you uh, if need be. Uh, interior firefighting is something that is uh, uh, what we want to do more often than uh, we get to. But uh, <laughs> typically, uh, the second or third new company is the ones that are going to be doing the searching. Uh, that's either typically we're third new because our station one. Uh, usually has our fires, but this was actually in our first due. But uh, I would say second, third due companies, depending on uh, the kind of the scenario based or whatever. Uh, we're so small, we got to wear different helmets. So uh, yeah, the third due company could be up on the roof and then the second due company is the one doing the search or vice versa. Um, but typically, uh, if we're second or third due, the rescue company is going to get the, the, the search uh, completed. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And, and kind of to build off that last question, as much as we're interested in the, in the product, I think we're just as interested, if not more so, in the process. Uh, and kind of what we mean by that is uh, looking at how often you guys typically train on search and or rescue. That's something you guys get to do. You know, yeah, so we actually, yeah, we actually have a really great training facility. Uh, we got a large uh, training tower. It actually has two burn rooms in it. So we like to burn in those rooms and actually have some realistic uh, types of training go on. Um, I would like to say we, we, did, we, we need to train more on searching than we actually do. Like I said, especially our company, we're super tech rescue kind of let's set rope systems up. Let's build shores. Let's do that kind of that's cool stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I would say uh, we can always train more, uh, but several times a year we do uh, have burns and get to uh, do some searches and stuff in there. Okay, that sounds perfect. Um, and I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Um, we're kind of tipping our hand a little bit, but what does, uh, what does your first alarm assignment consist of for a multifamily or an apartment fire? Yeah. So, uh, all three stations, uh, all three trucks and, uh, all three ambulances are going to go. Uh, that is our first and only alarm. We do have a, uh, what we call a second alarm of that we can call if we need more resources. Um, there's also a county fire department, mm -hmm. uh, which they're not a part of us, but they uh, 
they actually work uh they have a truck that's in our city station so we get to work with these guys quite often get to talk okay. to them every day uh, great group of guys um but yeah what's the, uh, yeah, what's the staffing ahead. like on on your rig so ambulance squad truck engine what's the staffing like across the board there so typically uh it's three on each apparatus uh, occasionally our uh, tower ladder is going to have four okay um, like i said we're pretty short staffed so it's not uncommon for our uh, tower ladder to only have two people on it and it's just something that we don't like but it's it's the way it is and we've got to we got to make do with what we have, but we've always got that resources with the county that if we do need them, they're there for us. They're going to come. Yeah, it's nice that they're staged or staffed inside your department uh, or yeah. inside your station, rather. Yeah. And then is there two on the ambulances? Yep, there's two on the ambulances. So uh, we're kind of in a restructuring stage with the whole EMS side of things. So uh, it used to be a fire paramedic and a fire EMT. And we're starting to hire single role uh, medics and EMTs or yeah, medics and EMTs. And uh, they're going to kind of fill that role so we can maybe make recruitment a little bit better. Uh, yeah. You're, you're dealing with a lot of the same stuff that, that we're dealing with here, but a lot of the, the, the broader fire service is having to deal with this too, you know, trying to figure out how do we enhance recruitment, enhance retention um, because less and less people seem to be coming into the job. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's all nationwide. It's not just us. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's an epidemic right now. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the rescue that you made? Uh, what was the date? What time of day was it? What was it dispatched as any reports of victims? What rig were you on? All those kind of questions kind of walk us through that rescue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was March 18th at, uh, 4.53 in the morning is uh, when we got dispatched out for it. Came out as a structure fire. Uh, sometimes we can kind of tell in our dispatcher's voices if it's actually a, a fire or it's kind of, eh, maybe, maybe not kind of thing. But you could tell in the, in the guy's voice that it was probably definitely something. Um, so, yeah, uh, we got uh, – we went out in the bay, got turned out. We actually hollered at the, the, the county rescue truck that's stationed with us uh, to go ahead and get ready and come up with us uh, for more manpower being a multifamily dwelling. Uh, never know when you're going to have multiple rescues and, you know, two guys extra is going to could make the difference in somebody's life. But uh, yeah, so we get out uh, of the door or the, the station and, turn up it's literally a block away so really get your stuff on get out the uh, get out off the rig and let's go um as we're turning up onto the the street uh we get word of that there is uh possibly a two-year-old still entrapped uh so things got real right then and there um we pull up they, the dispatch tells us that it's apartment six, which apartment six, uh, I guess I'll give you a layout of what this uh, place looks like. It's kind of a garden stylish apartment complex uh, with kind of a horseshoe uh, 
parking lot where the, uh, I guess, courtyard would be. So there's three units on the left side and there's two units on the right side. Uh, where we pulled in was the far side of the, uh, the, the driveway parking lot area. And we were looking towards the right because we had nothing showing at the time. We didn't even see smoke coming from the building. Um, when we pulled in, uh, PD was on scene and they were actually going door to door in each of these apartments trying to locate smoke and fire. So uh, getting off the rig, uh, I looked and uh, asked the PD officer, I was like, do you have anything in that building where apartment six was? And he said, no, I don't have anything. So I ended up walking around our truck which was actually a uh, reserve engine that we were on. It was a 75 foot ladders that we were uh, uh, on that, that day because uh, our rescue truck was getting worked on. Um, I meet a couple of the people that were standing outside and they didn't speak English. So I'm asking them where the fire was and they just kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And uh, at that point I kept walking and met the mom of the little boy and she gave the whole my baby my baby my baby's inside uh so that's when i started asking my questions okay well where is he uh she told me top floor uh top right apartment and uh at that point i'm starting to mask up i'm actually walking up to the to the building uh this building's a two-story with a subdivision so I guess if you want to call it three three stories you can uh, our department we call it subdivision one and then division one and then division two so division two was the uh, the origin of the fire and where the victim was trapped um, it was just me and my lieutenant at that time the other stations were still en route uh, our county truck was wasn't on scene yet um, with us. So it was just me and my lieutenant. My lieutenant just made uh, lieutenant. And uh, so we hadn't really got to work with each other very much uh, at this point in time. So I was the one that talked to the mom and knew where it was at. So in a way, he kind of followed me. And uh, we went up, masked up at, on the stairwell. And we had light smoke on the division one, but nothing too crazy. The mom and dad actually followed us in a little bit. And I uh, told them to get out and just to make sure like, to confirm with them one more time, I asked if, if he was in a crib or a bed or anything like that. And she said, he's in the back right bedroom and I pointed up kind of, I said, this one, she said, yep. So we made the division two, uh, pretty moderate smoke. We had visibility, uh, in the hallway from, uh, probably about knee level you could see, but the rest was still pretty, pretty chalky white smoke. Um, the mom and dad, I guess, when they got out of the, uh, the apartment, uh, closed the, uh, door so the door was closed and uh but unlocked so uh, i opened the door and was met with uh 
floor to ceiling, black smoke, can't see your hand in front of your face, which is really typical for our fires. We get kind of a little bit of fire, lots of smoke. Um, so pretty comfortable in working in that environment. Uh, so I guess backing up a little bit, uh, we go to these apartments quite a bit on med calls. Uh, I've been in this district for, you know, six, almost seven years now. Know what these layouts of these apartments look like. So immediately knew where I needed to go. And honestly, it was just a straight back shot uh, and hook a right. And then right there's the bedroom. Uh, I knew not to mess around with doing kind of an oriented wall search uh, because it would just either lead me into a kitchen or a living room. So I went back as far as I can, took the right, felt with my left hand, I could fill a, a doorway, hit my, hit my knees and started searching. I'm pretty tall, I'm about six foot five. So me getting my foot on a wall and starting to, to do the swiping uh, was, was uh, uh, covered some ground pretty quick. Uh, I got to the two-year-old, he was in a bed I want to say it's like a car bed. It wasn't a car bed, but it was one of those little toddler beds that are kind of low to the ground so they don't fall out. So uh, when I grabbed him, I actually felt his uh, upper arm like, and kind of did that holy crap moment in my head. And then I was like, oh, I found him. And then uh, picked him up and I could tell that he was uh, breathing uh, maybe one or two times a minute. But the definitely in my head made me okay well he's he's very viable uh, i need to get him out right now so i pick him up turn around which this room's cluttered pretty pretty bad um, they actually have one of those little uh, uh, fisher price playhouses that you kind of see in people's backyards so pretty good sized playhouse uh, in the room with them so when I turn, I get kind of disoriented because I run into this little house and uh, get on a wall and start uh, finding my way around. Well, then I hit a big dresser and more clutter. So I'm disoriented. So at that point, I start, and this is minutes into it. So at that point, I try to get on the radio, but I get stepped over because We've got trucks that are still getting positioned outside. People were coming in, talking, you know, over the radio. So there was no really getting out of the uh, on to on the radio. Um, so at that point, I just started yelling out to my lieutenant. I started hollering his name, hollered probably four or five times, didn't hear anything. So I'm thinking, all right, what's my next step? Uh, there's a window in the room that I felt as I got on the wall trying to get out. So uh, if he didn't, if my Lieutenant didn't answer me, I was probably just gonna break the window open, lean him outside until somebody came around with a ladder and got him off that way. But that was plan B, but I was actively thinking, all right, what's plan B if I can't get him out uh, and get myself oriented. Luckily heard my Lieutenant say my name, immediately turned around was like, oh, you know, thank goodness. 
uh, we kind of ran into each other. I told him, I was like, I've got the kid. I'm disoriented. Like, let's get out of here. Time to go. So he's like, okay. So I just kind of held on to his, uh, his air pack and could see the light of the hallway. And at that point I knew where I needed to go. Had him <clears throat> ran down the flights of stairs and, uh, still had black soot on my, on my mask. So I'm kind of walking out blind. Uh, but I knew where I needed to go. Um, the, our engine one was bringing the hose line up the stairs past them. I didn't even see them, didn't even know that they were there, but they saw me and then uh, got out of the apartment and kind of stumbled on the, uh, the hose line, kind of fell on my side, not like, I don't know, it was a graceful fall, if I, if I were <laughs> to say that. So, uh, but I still can't see any, to like take them anywhere. So I'm just kind of stationary. I'm like, all right, all right, who's coming to, who's coming to get them? And my battalion chief actually uh, uh, came and picked them up, uh, did some rescue breaths, getting them to the, the ambulance. Uh, and uh, we've got a local hospital that he was taken to. Um, and uh, the medic on scene was saying like, man, another minute or something. Uh, he probably, probably would have, he was probably wouldn't been here today. So, uh, but yeah, so that was the, uh, the last dispatch time stamp that I could find was uh, at 501 was uh, a PD officer said that uh, we were out with the kid. So from 4.53 was a dispatch time to 5.01 in the morning. Uh, so was eight, minutes. eight minutes. So eight minutes from tones until victim yep. out of the building. That's pretty damn impressive. And you said it was just right across the street or a block away from the fire station? Yeah, I mean, I okay. could throw a baseball four or five times, you know, hit hit the building. So it was, it was okay. a quick response. But. So there's yeah. lots to unpack with what you said and, and powerful story. Um, I just want to make sure that, that our listeners and, and myself are all kind of putting this together. So you arrived on the rescue. Is that correct? Uh, so it was actually our. You were on uh, the reserve truck. Reserve truck. Yes. Okay. Is there uh, water on that truck? Yeah. Yeah, there okay. is. Okay. And did you guys go in with a hose line or no hose line? No hose line. Okay. So, and then where was the fire at? Was it in that apartment or was it in a different apartment? Yeah. So it was in that apartment, but where the parents had shut the door mm -hmm. prior to them leaving, uh, it snuffed itself out. So it was just a bunch of electrical stuff that he had a bunch of computers and stuff in there and it was overloaded. Okay. Which ended up being the cause of the fire. And, was that uh, in the living room or where was that at bedroom? Yeah. So it was in the living room, but it's all kind of open. Like as soon as you go in, it's kind of an open kitchen and then an open living room. ish. Yep. And then there's a hallway with a bathroom and then two bedrooms that kind of tee off from each other in the very back little apartment, probably, you know, 600 square foot. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, I actually past the origin of the fire, which there wasn't any fire at the time. Uh, but yeah. Uh, no, that was uh, that's powerful. I just want to make sure I knew where the fire was and what this layout was. And it says that you said it's a building that you've responded to quite often. So you already knew the layout. And one thing that I really uh, appreciated with what you did, and it's something that 
I'm trying to make sure I would do the same if I was in this situation is you found mom or mom found you. You brought her even inside a little bit to make sure she pointed to exactly what apartment it was because the door was shut. It sounds like there was some light smoke on division one. It's quite possible because I think you said you got the wrong address as well, at least in, in some of our, our pre-podcast communications. It's quite possible that if you did bring mom in, it would have taken even longer to figure out where this victim was. Um, and then obviously, if it's taking you longer to figure out where the victim is, it's going to take you longer to find him and, uh, and remove him as well. So awesome job bringing mom and dad inside, pointing to the room and getting confirmation that, yep, that's the exact room. Yeah, uh, it was, I asked all the right questions and it, it led to getting him out with, you know, probably a minute and a half, maybe tops. I mean, it was, it seemed like a lifetime, but it was, it was really quick. Yeah. So, so eight minutes from tones getting from, you know, you're, you're probably in bed Were you guys in bed at, at four. Yeah, we yeah, so, so yep. From sleep to get your gear on, to go a couple blocks away, dispatch says the wrong address initially or wrong unit. Um, and they said it was in unit six and it was supposed to be unit 56. Is that correct? 56. That's correct. How, how far apart are those? Are those in the same building? Are those in neighboring buildings? Uh, it's directly across from each other. So, you know. Okay. You know, 50, across 50, the parking lot from each other. Yeah. Or across yeah. the, okay. Yeah. So not very far at all. It's not, not like it's a, it's, it was a huge, like, mess up by any means but yeah fair uh, enough um and then how did you actually remove the victim i know you said you got a little turned around where was the victim located was he on your knee were you crawling were you standing as you were you were moving the patient what did it actually look like as you had the victim and you were leaving the the structure oh yeah when i picked him up uh i could i, I felt him breathe so i, I knew uh that it, it was time to go I actually was standing up. There was so much clutter that if I was trying to, you know, get on my hands and knees, it would have disoriented me even more trying to mm -hmm. climb over stuff like that. Uh, me kind of hustling up out of the apartment on my two feet were the best option at that point. Uh, it was a time thing, honestly. Uh, the heat really wasn't a thing. Like it wasn't hot at all. It, it had gotten warm at some point, but where the fire had snuffed itself out, it was, it was relatively, uh, relatively cool. So. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. You mentioned that there were reports of victims before you guys got on scene. What, if anything changes uh, for you and then within your department, when you guys hear reports of, of victims trapped, um, what I mean by that is, do you guys potentially mask up in route? Do you turn your bottles on in route? Uh, do you read your CAD notes in route? Does anything else change or is that kind of the baseline assumption for you guys anyways? Yeah, that's kind of, it's some of the things very baseline, uh, definitely reading CAD notes. Uh, I usually, when, when I know it's a, you know, a worker, no doubter kind of thing, I'll turn my cylinder on in route mm -hmm. to get ready. Uh, I've never been that great at masking up with my gloves on. Uh, my mask, these new uh, new masks that we got, the the seals on them kind of kind of flop around. So me getting, I have to like put my fingers in the seal of my mask to make sure it's a good seal. 
and doing that with a glove on, it just, I, I can't do it. Uh, we got some guys that are really good at it. And uh, I found that this works for me and I can mask up uh, just as fast as they can. So uh, also not putting my mask on in route. Uh, I don't ever want it to like fog up for some reason if, or yeah. kind of make me tunnel vision. So I, I choose not to, but. Uh, and that's totally fair. Totally yeah. fair. We're just trying to make sure that we're, we're pulling as much out of this and we're not leaving anything on the table as we can. Um, so before we land this plane, was was the, the door to the victim's room, was that open or was that closed? Uh, it was open. It so, was open. Okay. Yep. Was that and open was, because they keep it open or did they try and make an attempt to get to the to the kid, open the door, and then had to get got chased out of there due to the smoke? Yeah, so from what I heard, the mom thought the dad grabbed him, and then the dad thought the mom grabbed him. So there was a miscommunication. Okay. And then the smoke pushed them out. And they they said that they made another attempt to go back up in there and couldn't because the, the smoke was so bad. Okay. So we might be speculating, but maybe the door is just kept open for him all yeah. night long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, where that playhouse was. So as soon as you make that the threshold of his room uh, to the left wall, like almost immediately, just enough room for you to kind of like sidestep in. There's that playhouse there. Uh, immediately uh, to the right, there's that dresser, and then kind of working your way around that. I guess if you want to look at it as like a, an actual structure, that D side wall of the uh, of bedroom. his of his bedroom was um, nothing but you know clutter, toys, you know gotcha. clothes, and all that stuff. And then, so is uh, it fair to say with that play set in there? it would be hard to keep opening and closing that door. Cause it might be in the way the door swing might be. Uh, yeah, 100%. Okay. 100%. Okay. Well, why don't we try landing this plane? A um, couple quick questions before we do that. What's one lesson that you learned from this fire that you'd like to pass on to our listeners that maybe we haven't highlighted, or if we have highlighted it just to kind of reinforce it. Yeah. Uh, definitely make up time where you can, uh, we all pride ourselves on getting out of the house and turning out real, real quick. Uh, our battalion chief actually gets, you know, pretty upset if there's a delay, even, even if it's a nonsense call, like he's like, I want you out right now. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, hustle up. It's, it's, it, it's our emergency. They called, we go, we fix kind of like that's, one lesson that I would like to kind of throw out there, like it's make up time when you can. I love that. Um, and then kind of the last question that we have is, is has this fire changed your mindset towards the job or how you train or how you search it all? Yeah. Uh, I would say I pay attention more. I go through scenarios in my head, whether it be an EMS call, we're going to a house or something that, we don't go to that often or never been in. I'll take a second to kind of look around, uh, see what kind of, if there's clutter in the house, like how big of a pain in the butt it would be to get somebody out or get this certain patient out. Cause we do have heavier set people that if 
this place catches on fire. How are we going to do it? Well, there's a window. Here's their bed. Kind of. That's that's what I like to do. I like to go in my head and run through scenarios of 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 you know possible what ifs possibilities. Yeah, the what ifs. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heath. We really appreciate your sharing your experience with us, um, your time and authenticity. For everyone listening, if you or anyone else you know makes a grab, please go to firefighterrescuesurvey.com and fill out a quick survey. That's one survey per rescue so that we can all get smarter, better, and faster. And if you do make a grab and want to share your experience with all of our listeners, please reach out to either Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or myself, Nick Ledeen, and we'll try to record an episode. Lastly, thank you to everyone listening. Take care.